Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, we're back with Ayers on the Road. We have been on the road locally lately. <laughs> um, we've been running to Berlake, running to Provo, running to Ogden, and running back to Salt Lake. Well, we haven't got on an airplane this month yet. We have and this, not. This, this might be the first month in many years we didn't actually go to the airport and get on a plane, and I'm kind of liking it. I'm kind of liking it, too. It's yeah. nice being around, except that it's hot, and if you're not in Utah, you are kind of happy right now because there's so much smoke. We can barely see the next. We can't see the mountains at all. We can't barely see the next building. All these fires. City. It's amazing, isn't it? It's terrible. It's frightening. It's worrisome. But we are going to be doing a lot of traveling in September and in the fall. We're going to be doing some parenting lectures and in, in, in Europe and some in Canada. So we're going to get back on the road. But we also kind of think of this show as not just Ayers on the road, but Ayers on parenting and Ayers on marriage. And maybe to make it, you know, correspond, we should talk about marriaging and parenting. You know, we, we, we came up with this a few months ago and realized that parenting, so, there is so much attention on parenting, so much. Um, we talk about parenting all the time, but how much do we really talk about marriaging uh, in general? And, the, and, and putting it in that context, it's like parenting is like a, it's like a science, it's like an art, it's like a discipline, it's like a, a body of knowledge or theories or ideas and so on. And of course there's a lot being written about marriage, but, but it's sort of marriage as a noun which would be like, um, you know, uh, something about parenting sort of implies improvement and growth and working on it and so on. And we need a word like that for marriaging that's just sort of ongoing. What are we doing to improve our marriage? What are we doing to overcome the concerns we have in marriage? What are we doing to make it better and better? And we were thinking the other day, Linda, that, uh, you know, in our experience working with parents all around the world, if they have a good marriage, it's clearly going to improve their parenting. The marriaging is going to improve the parenting, but well, it doesn't always work the opposite way. Right. And if they have a good marriage, it's going to help with their children's marriages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in most cases, there's no guarantee, of course, but it really is so helpful to have a strong, healthy marriage. Now, we know because of the statistics that we're talking to a lot of people that have been divorced and maybe remarried and so on. And um, so we don't want to make this sound like shoving down your throat. But the reason we've really been thinking about this a lot is because a, a really great new friend just got married last night. Or today, actually today. He had a reception last night. And uh, he's such a good guy. He's uh, 44. In his, in his I think, 40s but, and, and never and married it, before. And but. married a cute girl that's 35. And a stunning girl that's 35, but um, we're thinking about their journey. And um, some of our children were married older. Um, we were married. I planned to get married older, but Richard talked me into getting married sooner. <laughs> so uh, we did it. But anyway, it really is an interesting process that, to think about from the first that we've experienced. Well, and the trends are that people are getting married later and later. And, and in some ways, that's really good. We often worry about 
young kids that get married, but at the same time, oftentimes those marriages turn out great. And as you say, Linda, we've had, you know, I think our earliest uh, marriage among one of our children was 22. No, 23. 23. And uh, our latest hasn't happened yet because one of our sons (laughs) is 44. And so, uh, you know, and and we run into a lot of grandparents who are worried about a, a child that's not married yet and so on. And, you know, it's just one of those things that there's no one size fits all. And, and it works out usually for people who prioritize marriage that it, it happens at some point. But I want to get back to the point that, in, again, in our observation, um, marriaging deserves as much and maybe more attention than parenting. And the only way I can justify that that uh, statement is that good marriages, like I was saying earlier, almost always produce better parenting. In other words, if your marriage is good, it's going to lap over and influence how good of a parent you are, but not necessarily the other way around. And that's what concerns us because we do run into a lot of people who are really conscientious about their parenting. I mean, they're deliberate parents with a theory and a, and a philosophy of parenting and they're working at it and they're trying to improve and so on. And in some cases, sadly, their marriages are not as good. They're not working as hard on the marriages. And the fact that they're good parents doesn't sort of automatically improve their marriage. Yeah, I think that's really true. And uh, for those of you who are listening, you probably identify that uh, in your own families. It really is so important to have a good, solid marriage. Now, again, do it for your children. Yeah, no other reason. Not to say that you can't have great kids if you're divorced, <laughs> because oh, sure. You know, obviously, we have <clears throat> um, several examples of friends who are just fabulous kids. In fact somebody really close to us who we can't imagine that they survived such a horrendous divorce and have fabulous kids. So, um, you know, we're just saying marriage is so important in the building. And work and working continually at that marriage. Um, it really is so true. You need to work and work and work and work. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's, you have to work on it almost every day. You can't just take it for granted. Uh, especially when you have two really strong-willed people. I don't yeah, know that's any always of those, a but, that's always yeah, a formula that, for disaster. That wouldn't be us, of course. But <laughs> oh my goodness, we have such strong wills; it's just hilarious. But now let's practice what we preach a little here, Linda, today by saying, you know, we've done this. We've done. We've devoted a lot of the recent shows on BYU Radio on Ayers on the Road to what we call the top ten parenting tips. And you can go back and look on on the website of BYU Radio and see what those are and listen to them again or listen to any that you missed. But we base that on, you know, our 30 or 40 years of speaking to parents and writing to parents and relating to parents. And, and, you know, we tried to pick out the top 10 that we thought would really apply to most people in their parenting. Now we're saying, hey, marriaging deserves equal billing. In fact, marriaging might deserve top billing, even ahead of parenting. And so just to illustrate that and just to sort of put our money where our mouth is, we're today starting a series that we're going to call the top 20 marriage tips or relationship tips. 
And so maybe you say, well, there's 20 of those. They must be twice as important as the parenting. <laughs> Marriaging, we're trying to elevate marriaging even above parenting. Well, yeah, that, I'm sure that's true. But I do have to tell you that um, Richard is so adamant about this. I mean, he when our kids started getting married, and we've now had eight marriages, um, the wedding reception last night brought us back to those days of craziness trying to do wedding receptions and weddings and invitation lists and all that stuff. But uh, when one of our children got married, he developed this video and he uh, requested they watch it. And because this, this goes back to the olden days when he felt that the kids were not listening to him unless he was on TV. <laughs> so he would record a little message to the kids. Well, um, he carried that through and he wrote, uh, he did this little video for our kids when they got married. And it was pretty entertaining. We should watch that again now because it's, it's old, but it, um, we should put that on YouTube. That's what we should do. This, this naive young father, I thought, I give myself as young man trying to give this parenting we advice, young, yeah. but you know, we're, now. but we're old now, Linda, we're, we're sages, we're, we're gurus, we're, we're grandparents. <laughs> we, we now can, without any hesitation, pass on what we think is good marriage advice because it's based on 50 years of experience. We're entering our 50th year of marriage. I know we sound young and vibrant, but we're actually, <laughs> that, that's why we do a radio show instead of a TV show. We don't want anyone to see us. <laughs> well, we still do a little TV once in a while. Probably wonder, people wonder why. But anyway, it really is, um, it's one of those things that you just need to keep coming back to. There are basic things that need to be discussed in a marriage all the time. Well, but before you get to today's top 20 marriage tip, let's talk about the the series in general, because just what you're saying, though, you, you actually said it just, I think, exactly right, that there are certain sort of tried and proven things. I don't think you like the idea of tips. You think that sounds a little flippant, right? The top 20 marriage tips. It's like you're giving someone a tip in a restaurant. <laughs> or you're giving it's some little thing. The, these are bigger than that. So maybe we need to think of another another word for them. The top 20 profound, powerful <laughs> principles which will make your marriage better. How's that? Well, that's better. But how about the top 10 to start out with? <laughs> well, there's, well, because we've we've got a list of them now. We've got a list made up of 20, and they're all they're all pretty important. But the first one, which we're going to talk about today and title the show, uh, Top 20 Marriage Tips Number One, and it's just one word, talk, T-A-L-K. How many times have you watched a movie or seen some, read, been reading a novel or observed some relationship and you're like, why don't they just talk to each other? Why don't they just it is so tell each other what they're feeling? Why is there all this non-communication going on? You know, on? it just baffles us because we went to a movie last week, and honestly, it was 100% uh, loved by the audience, 100% loved by the critics, 
And we were so frustrated by the end. Nobody talked to anybody about anything. It was so crazy. How can they possibly do that? It is so nutty. Anyway. Well, we run into couples that have been married for 10 or 20 years, and they're still, they still have secrets. They still have things they've never shared. They still have feelings that they just don't bring up and so on. And the first tip, the first hallmark of any lasting relationship has got to be communications. Now, you hear this, you hear this thing, well, some things are better left unsaid. Well, that's a great motto for a business partner or for a friendship or for a lot of things. But how can that be the model for marriage where what you're trying to do is develop a oneness, you're trying to develop a complete trust, you're trying to develop a a synergy within this relationship, Well, how can you just have some things you never talk about? Oh, honey, sometimes it's more appropriate to not. You've got to admit, like if I come out in the dress and say, you think this makes me look fat? I mean, and it's horrible, it's hideous. You know, you've got to be, you've got to be honest, but at the same time, you've got to be really tactful. And, and of course, you would be because you're the compliment master. But it really <laughs> is important to... Um, to talk and yet be um, not be mean or not be um, bombastic about it. Well, I'm I'm not saying that there aren't certain things that you have to wait to talk about at a more appropriate time, and I'm not saying that there are um, things that you have to be a little tactful on and so on. All all those things are true. I'm just saying communication in a marriage that you expect to last has to be comprehensive. It has to, pe- people can't just look at each other and, and not express how they're feeling and, and not really get into this open communication. And, and we actually feel like there are five subjects which particularly need to be communicated about regularly and thoroughly. And interestingly, they are the, they are the five subject areas or the five things people give as the most common reasons for divorce. And so what we're going to talk to you about after the break is the idea, if there are five things that people most commonly say cause divorce, why shouldn't they also be the five things that we work hardest on communicating about so that they don't ever end up leading to divorce? Well, I hope that's a teaser so that you'll join us because we're going to just give you an introduction to those five things right after this break. Hang on. We'll be right back on Ours on the Road. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road. Uh, today we're talking about marriaging. We're talking about talking. <laughs> we're talking about talking in marriaging. Um, we're, we're realizing that we've spent so much time talking about parenting on this show, and we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about marriaging. And so we're, we're, we're talking about doing a new little series about marriaging, maybe not consecutively, but it will, will be there. But um, it is an interesting thing to contemplate that we don't talk enough about our marriage. And we do have five things that we think 
really are important to keep talking about as you get married and go through your marriage. You, you've probably read articles or, or seen broadcasts about, you know, what are the main, what are the primary causes of separation and divorce and, and the breakdown of marriages? And I bet you could guess them, even if you haven't uh, read those articles, which you, which you see fairly frequently. What are the five kinds of disagreements or the five kinds of problems which people when they're asked well why did you divorce or or when they're filling out their divorce papers you know you hear irreconcilable differences but let's be more specific what are those disagreements about you can guess finances that's one of the biggest causes we don't we don't agree on we have financial differences we have problems number two Intimacy, sex, we're incompatible physically. That's our reason for divorce. Number three, parenting. We disagree on how to raise our kids. We, we have problems there. Four, goals. We have different goals. We're not, we're not together in where we want to go in life, what we want to do. And number five, beliefs. We don't have the same beliefs. We, we, we have different faiths or different philosophies and so we can't get together so think about those five things Linda finances sex parenting goals and beliefs those are the five things people say most often were the reasons for divorce right and of course we're here to give you the answer to all those because <laughs> we've got that figured out but no, I, I, I do think that there are other reasons. There are other reasons. And those of you who are listening will say, no, they didn't say what my big deal was. Um, but those are really the major ones that we've found in talking to parents and, and people who are struggling with their marriage. Those are the five things that seem to be the problem. So what we're saying is let's turn a negative into a positive. Let's, let's not call those the five main reasons for divorce. Let's call them the five things we should consistently and thoroughly communicate about so that we never become divided on those issues. And, and you know, when you think about it, that's where just what we were saying earlier in the show, Linda, that we, we get so frustrated when people don't talk more in within their, within their marriage. And how many times have we run into people who say, I don't have a clue about our finances. I don't, I don't, you know, he, he pays the bills or she does this or I do this and we don't even know anything about it. And, you know, we have different goals and one of us is a spender and one of us is a saver. And, and you know, it just becomes a, a big thing. We can't even talk about it. We, we sort of agree to disagree on finances. Well, that's a formula for disaster in yeah, a marriage. It is. It's true. And, you know, you come to a marriage with your own baggage. Um, a lot of us we, this older generation come from parents who lived through the depression and either we are very, very conservative like our parents, or we were sick of being conservative and we're wanting to give our kids anything and we want to buy anything that we need. And, uh, it really is interesting, but the point is you just have to talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. What, what we're basically suggesting here just to jump ahead is that these five areas ought to be an agenda for a meeting you have with your spouse every week or, or for a, for a sit down or when you're driving in a car, or when you have a little time together, 
you, it's sort of like a checklist. Are we together on our finances? Do we share everything? Do we know? Do we have the same financial goals? Do we do we know how much is in our bank account? Do no. we know about our investments? I'm trying to interrupt here because, honey, you have to realize that we can't tell them to do our week. We don't do this every week. Well, but we I'm do just have a habit. meeting every week. Yeah. We have talked about having a meeting together as a partnership and talk about a lot of things, but and this is included in it. But it does need to be an ongoing conversation. And sometimes you have to set a time to talk about it. Otherwise, it, other stuff just fills in. So what about number two? Uh, talking more about sex, about intimacy. How we run into so many couples who never talk about that. They'll say, you know, a young couple recently said, why do we have to talk about it? Let's just do it. <laughs> and we're like, wait a second. You know, talking and being open about your feelings, about your physical needs, about how you feel about the other person in, in a in a sexual way and being open, getting getting that out on the table so you know you really get a sense of what the other person's feeling and needing is so essential. And when people don't do it, it always leads to problems. It does. And sometimes it's hard to talk about, but it is so important that um, you express your feelings and that you know what's going on with each other. And again, you come with your own package, right? Uh, right. you know, and we could do a whole show on this, but um, I think women come into the marriage thinking this sexual intimacy is going to be different and and men do. And you have to come to a place where you can uh, know that you're providing each other's needs. Exactly. And then the third one, parenting. I mean, you know, that's surprisingly, it's, it's, it's always concerning to us when we hear a couple who are having a marriage problem or a relationship problem, and the basis of it is their highest priority, namely their kids. They're not agreeing. You know, one is more disciplinarian or one's more passive or one has really pushy goals for the kids and the other one thinks they should be left alone. And, you know, and when we get down to it, it's because they've never really sat down and talked. What is our parenting philosophy? Yeah. What do we want for these kids? And can we agree on it? Yeah, it really is interesting because, you know, I never had a, a curfew when I was a kid, but I can't think of when I came home past midnight. <laughs> it wasn't really an issue. But you were very adamant about having a curfew because you kept sneaking out the window <laughs> after you got home from um, a date or something and to continue. So it really is interesting that, you need to keep, to talk about that and how can we come together on this? How can we feel good about it? And and having a family council so that everybody feels good about some specific family laws or how we're gonna go how we're gonna work our parenting. Again, and we're not saying there's one simple answer for it, but we're just saying it has to be talked about, it has to be communicated about. And then we get to number four goals. Um you know, we were with a couple not long ago. They'd been married 10 years, and and they were just coming to realize that they had a completely different idea of what they were trying to do, of where their destination was, of what constituted success in life. And it was creating all kinds of friction in their relationship. They had never had a really good talk about where do we want to be in 10 years? Where do we want to be in 20 years? What are our goals? What are our aspirations what are our objectives and if you don't talk about that it's one of those things that will come back and 
And you'll find out too late that you had a very different view of where you were going. Yeah, actually, it's good to talk about this before you get married. Well, yes, <laughs> exactly. But, um, to talk about all these things. Right, exactly. But once you're into it, you really, it is so crucial to be talking about that. And again, you come with your own baggage, you know, of how you were parented and what you think is important, what you don't. And sometimes you have to agree to disagree on those things and and realize that there are some things you're just never going to come to grips with. But if it's really important to you, then it's important to me that we do this. I mean, just so many ways to but talk again, about it. But again, you said an interesting thing, Linda, agreeing to disagree. That you're saying it in a positive way. That That doesn't mean we agree we're never going to talk about this. That doesn't mean like okay, we've got a difference here on parenting or on finances or on goals. We're just going to put it on the shelf and agree to disagree and never talk right. about it. Right, no. What, what it means is we can have a difference of opinion, on our but goals. we need to understand what, what the other person thinks. We right. need to open it up. We need to communicate right. about it. And then if I really understand what you're thinking, you understand what I'm thinking, we don't necessarily have to agree on everything, but we need to know what the other person thinks. Right. I mean, we we know a couple who sh she is dynamite and just ready to burn up the world and with her goals and where she wants to go in life. And and the husband is just like, you know, I'm just happy to He's just more passive. Go, go to work every day and, and provide what you need to do that. But I'm really not into this. And, it, you know, you really do have to talk through it. It doesn't mean that you have to be on the same page. Yeah, you don't, you don't. The goal in communication is not to win the other person over or to um, win the debate or prove you're right or prove the other person's wrong. The goal is to understand what each other's thinking so that you don't get surprised or so that you don't suddenly realize that you've got this wide gap between you that you didn't realize was there, which is causing all kinds of problems in your relationship. Uh, and then the last one, of course, is beliefs. And um, for us, it was pretty homogeneous because we were both members of the Mormon church and we had similar backgrounds and so on. For other people, it is so difficult because um, you might have a husband who's an atheist and the wife who's, you know, very dedicated to a religion. And that is a big one to work on. But again, if there's communication, even if the even if the difference is pretty big, if there's empathy and communication and I understand what you're saying and you understand what I'm saying and we recognize each other's needs and we try to be there for them, then it seems to work out. Again, it's when there's no communication. It's when things are not talked about that they mushroom and become problems. And again, that's the reason why people list these five things as the cause of their divorce. And so what we're saying really, the bottom line is really simple. Let's take the, the five areas that people often have their biggest differences on and let's make those our communication priorities. Every once in a while, whether it's weekly or monthly or whenever you can, sort of have it as a checklist, have it as an agenda. Do we agree or are we talking enough about our financial goals? Are we talking enough about intimacy and about how we feel physically with each other? Are we discussing our parenting and, and do we have a philosophy of parenting that we can subscribe to? Do we have goals that we share and can we make those a strength in our marriage? And can we learn from each other's beliefs and, and come together as much as possible? 
Yeah, I think that's the keystone to a really successful marriage. And talking about it is the most important thing. And I know for some of you, you're not maybe as open as gregarious as some, and it's difficult, but it's so important. Talk, talk, talk. That's the the marriage parenting or the marriage (laughs) tip. The first of the 20 that we're going to give you over the next many weeks is just open up the communication. Make communication your number one goal. Talk to each other. Don't bottle things up. Let them out. Maybe you have to have it at a good time. Maybe you don't let it fly whatever you feel, but have a checklist and communicate. We wish you the very best on that, and we'll see you next time on Irish on the Road. Bye-bye.